And in terms of like retaining my team, I am, like I said, my team's my family. So I really focus on their happiness at work and in life and and helping them grow and understanding what their goals are and helping them reach their goals. Do you love your business? You should, right? Well, sometimes we just don't. It's my hope that this, the My Daily Business Coach podcast, helps you regain a little of that lost love by providing tips and tactics, tools, insights, inspiration, all the good stuff to help you actually enjoy running your business. In addition to actionable tips and tactics that you'll be able to execute immediately, you'll also hear from creative small business owners around the world who've been able to sidestep the hustle and build a business that merges their passion with their purpose and provides a profit. I'm your host, Fiona Kalaki, founder of My Daily Business Coach. Let's get going. Hello and welcome to episode 270 of the My Daily Business Coach podcast. My name is Fiona Kalaki and today it is the first small business interview for 2023 and it's a great one. So congratulations to you if you're listening I hope you are all enjoying the new year. If you're listening in real time, maybe you're listening to this three years later. Who knows? This is the power of podcasts. So today it is a small business interview and it's with somebody that I randomly met last year and I was so engaged with whilst we were talking that I instantly invited them onto the podcast. Really looking forward to hearing people's thoughts on today's episode. But before we get stuck into that, two things. One is I want to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians on the land on which I record this podcast, and that is the Wawarong and Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. And I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging, and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. The second thing is that it is a new year and a lot of people have a little bit of time off this year or around this time. And if that is you and you are wanting to work on your marketing, our course Marketing for Your Small Business is always available. Sometimes people think it's only available when we do the nine-week coaching program alongside it, but it's actually available anytime. So if you want to get your marketing sorted, you could literally start the course this week and have a marketing plan in the next couple of weeks, ready for really kicking off 2023 with the marketing that you want to create that is strategic and aligned with your values. And we've all seen all the things that are happening with social media lately. And so, you know, I'm all about creating a strategic marketing plan that does not place social media as your number one channel. So if you are interested in that, you can find all the information over at Marketing for Your Small Business. And if you're interested in doing the nine-week program, which will kick off oh, probably around March this year, then you can always just upgrade. And it's actually cheaper if you buy the course and then upgrade rather than buying the whole thing at once when we launch. However, you're you know, free to do whatever you choose. So all of those things you can find at marketingforyoursmallbusiness.com. All right, let's get into today's interview episode. So last year I was doing a event for Life in Style. Life in Style are a big trade show. They happen a couple of times a year in Sydney and Melbourne and I've worked with them doing workshops and talks for gosh years. In fact, the last time that I went to Sydney was in, God, three years ago. 
ah, I need to get back up there. But because of all the lockdowns in Melbourne, we weren't able to. But in 2022, they finally were able to do everything again in real time with real people milling about, no Zoom, in sight. And I was doing a talk, a workshop, but I was also doing some coaching on the couches there and people could book in for that. And one of the people that booked in for a session with me is the lovely Hayley Scott, who is my interviewee today. Now, Hayley runs multiple businesses in Warrigal, which is in kind of regional Victoria. Now, it wasn't just, you know, her particular businesses that she's running that I'll talk about in a second, but it was just Haley's attitude to things. She was so engaging. You know, she'd done so much, but was incredibly humble about it and just really had a passion for wanting to share her story, but also to share what she has learned and what she's been able to build, which is incredible with other people and particularly with women who may not have had those opportunities to learn or have support from family members or other things themselves. So I'm really excited to see what what Haley builds in the next couple of years. But today we are talking about the businesses that she has already built, one of which she's been in business for a decade. Now in this episode we talk about how Haley got into the industry that she's in now with her businesses because she didn't start out in that. She started out completely in a different career and then decided that she would take a bit of a break. And during that break, she realized there was a massive gap in the market for serving regional Victoria with what people in, you know, in the cities and in the outer suburbs of bigger capital cities take for granted. And so it was absolutely wonderful to hear how she actually did that. Because a lot of the time we can just hear the highlights from people like, yep, I had this idea and I started a business rather than I had this idea and these are all the steps that I had to then take to figure it out and to create it. And in this episode, we talk about what that was like, who was in her support system, how did she kind of do the research or how did she know if it was going to work? Did she know if it was going to work? And then being in a retail business, how did she cope with the pandemic and how is she still coping with a huge challenge for any kind of business in Australia, but particularly for regional businesses, which is getting staff. So the chat today is, as I said, with Hayley Scott and Hayley Scott's two businesses that she'll talk about today are Dear Blackbird Boutique, which you can find at dearblackbirdboutique.com.au. And the other business is the Marigold Merchant, which you can find at themarigoldmerchant.com.au. So here it is, my interview with the wonderful Hayley Scott, founder of the Marigold Merchant and Dear Blackbird. Hello, Hayley. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so excited because, you know, you and I met at Life in Style just recently and I completely, and I'm saying this hand on heart, honestly, I was really blown away with your business journey and your whole approach to business and I just had to have you on the podcast. No, thank you. Oh, no, you're so welcome. I, I was saying before we hit record, I just instantly rang my sister and I was talking about yeah. you and, you know, <laughs> because she lives in the same part of the world as you. But yeah, I just, you were just so unassuming. And then you came in and you're like, oh, yep, I do this, 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 and I've got this. And it's just, <laughs> wow. So can you take us back to kind of your whole career to date, like before you started the businesses or business to start with, and then walk us through the various businesses that you own now? Yeah, sure. Well, before I started my businesses, I was actually a chef. I did my chef apprenticeship after 
high school. And although I'm a massive foodie, it wasn't a particularly healthy environment for me to be in. My partner, he was a shop fitter at the time. So I was working split shifts and weekends and, you know, um, miss out on all the 21st and weddings and all that sort of stuff. So it just wasn't, it wasn't great. And so I left the hospitality industry and thought I just sort of needed a job and I thought I'd get a job as a Christmas casual in retail, sort of just to buy myself some time to figure out what I want to do and if I want to go back to school and things like that. But I ended up really loving it and actually being really good at it too. So it was cool because it was like, after high school, being a chef was the only job that I'd had and I'd always worked in a kitchen, which is obviously behind the scenes. And it wasn't until I started working in retail that I really thrived interacting with people and had a real knack for customer service. And so I stayed in retail for a number of years, but the commute was about an hour and a half each day. And it was sort of wearing thin after you know, many years doing it. But I don't really remember the moment I decided to open a clothing boutique, but I do remember that the idea was that I was sort of sick of driving to Melbourne to buy clothes. I actually really liked the plenty of sort of availability around, but just wasn't anything that I liked and decided that I'd, I really wanted to create a space for women like me who love clothes and, but didn't want to have to drive to find them. And that's sort of how it all started. I went home and I said to my dad, I think I'm going to open up a clothing boutique. And dad, dad was like, love, brilliant IG. If anyone can do it, you can do it. And then it just started like that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love Go Dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so at the moment now, how long ago was that that you did that? So Dear Black Bear Boutique was the first business I opened. It's a women's clothing boutique and we just celebrated 10 years last month, actually. Oh, so yeah. congratulations. Thank you. I know I had to triple check the date. <laughs> Didn't wait 10 years. Oh my goodness. And so I know you've just mentioned your dad now, but like how did you have the confidence to give it a go? Because lots of I've had so many commutes in my life. I feel like I've always managed to find a job that is so far from where I live here and in, in the UK. I, and I traveled three hours for school every day, round trip. Oh, wowzers. Yeah, yeah. it's commute. I'm a commuter like that. I don't know how. That has been like a commute career that I had. <laughs> but lots of people have that and they don't decide to like give it up and start a business. And so how did you have the confidence to just go for that? Are your family, like is your dad a business owner? Like did your upbringing give you that ability to be like, you know what, this is a gap in my area and I'm going to fill it. Yeah. Well, my mum and dad had a refrigerated transport business and also ran a cattle farm. So I grew up seeing my mum my do the bookwork and my dad just work his absolute butt off. There's five of us kids and all of us, we're either business owners now or have been business owners at some stage. Something definitely runs in our bloodline for that. But it's funny, actually, because I was talking to my sister about it the other day and I was saying, my dad is 100% the hardest worker I've ever met. And we grew up seeing him work seven days a week, incredibly long days and very physically demanding work. And so I look at all of us kids and I think, what the heck are we thinking 
starting our own business after <laughs> seeing how much it took, you know, like it wasn't like a, it didn't look like the, like he wasn't selling us the dream. Do you know what I mean? But <laughs> I think we all must be a little bit crazy, but mum and dad have always been our biggest fans and supporters and, you know, like what I was saying just before when dad was like, love, if anyone can do it, you can do it. That was the attitude that we had growing up with everything. Like I don't ever remember my mum or dad saying, no, you can't do that, love, or no, that's not a good idea. Like they were always really supportive and encouraging. So I think like all it took was for dad, it could have been someone, but like it was my dad in this case to say, no, that's a great idea. You can do it. I think that's all I needed to back myself. So he's always been like that. Same with my mum. So I think, I think that's, what gave me the confidence to at least give it a go. Like he'd always say to me, I got you, you know, give it a go. The worst that can happen is it doesn't work. It's only money or, you know. So I think that was comforting knowing that. Oh, I love that. And I I feel like maybe people who haven't been as fortunate as you to have that supportive family are going to listen to you today. And just even hearing your words then, like what's the worst that can happen? You know, you lose some money. Or even, you know, you just break even. I've often said to people, you can't get time, but you can get money. Yes. You can always get more money back. That's yeah. Yeah. You know, I spent 20 years wishing that you'd tried something. Like it was the same exactly. with me. I had like no backup plan financially. So I was like, give it a go a year. And if it doesn't work after a year, I've tried it and I can go back to corporate life. And yes. so, yeah, I love that. And so when you said your siblings are business owners as well, do you feel like throughout the years, you've all helped each other. Obviously your mum and dad, you know, I'm sure your mum would have given you some great advice about bookkeeping and accounts and stuff. But did your siblings and you, do you talk about your businesses when when you've run them? Do you talk about them to each other or not? Not really. So I've got two older brothers, two younger sisters, and all of our businesses are like they're all very, none of them are similar in any way, shape or form. And all very successful in their own right. And but when we sort of get together as family at like family times, it's we sort of just spend our time laughing. We don't really talk about business. But my sister, I'm very close with her. She actually is an owner of a core plus in Richmond and a Pilates studio. And so that's new for her. So we talk a lot about business because we have a similar demographic I think you know that women that 20 to 45 year old women we share that demographic so her and I just talk about business a lot and I also love Pilates so (laughs) it's helpful to go spend time with her at her business. (laughs) Yes and oh my goodness have they over the times especially your sisters have they been like and your mum like, can I come in and choose my outfit? I've got to go somewhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and especially my mum in recent years because I also have a baby and homewares lifestyle boutique called The Marigold Merchant. And so when mum started having little grandbabies come through, she was she was my best customer. Having <laughs> 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 all these cute baby clothes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you'll be like... Staff discount doesn't apply, Mum. Packing <laughs> orders for us. Yeah, Mum pretty much gets the cream of the crop. I think. <laughs> oh, so nice. Well, she did raise five lovely children as well. Yeah. <laughs> She's done her hard yards already. And so, your business is in a regional area, and you alluded to that in the commute that you had to have an hour and a half. And so, when you were working in retail, and you were saying I had to have that commute, 
Was that the retail that you were working in as an employee was in Melbourne or was it also in the regional areas? No, that was in Melbourne out of suburbs. So yeah, it was in a shopping centre. Oh, uh, yep. In Fountaingate, actually. I was just going to say, was it Fountaingate? Because that's the closest shopping centre to my sister. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yes. So And so the reason that I asked about the working in Melbourne was just, you know, as somebody who works in regional and lives in the regional areas, I work with a lot of clients who are that kind of triple R, remote, regional or rural. And I think sometimes people can doubt themselves setting up a business in that space because you have, you know, a smaller population. You may have people like you that that were happy to drive up to a bigger city to get their stuff. You may not have as much foot traffic or or new people coming in and out, say like Fountain Gate or a shopping centre, that's going to have people who have driven all over the state to get to those shopping centres, whereas, you know, people aren't necessarily always driving to regional areas. And so I'm just wondering, how did you know that it was going to work when you hadn't had retail experience in a regional town? And also, what would you say to somebody who's listening who would love to launch something in their own area? but fear that it won't work unless it's in a densely populated kind of city or suburban area. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a great question. I, In regards to the first part, which was how did I know it was going to work, I really wanted it to work and I think I was never going to give up. Like I thought if that doesn't work, um, you know, as in like a, a strategy or a product line or something like that, I was always prepared to try something different. So for me, I I was never worried about it not working because I always knew it would because I wanted it enough, if that makes sense. But I think that, you know, there are so many things that can impact the success or growth of a small business and volume of potential customers can definitely be one of them, but certainly isn't the one thing, you know, that can make or break a business. But I I really believe that if if you truly want it, and if you're prepared to work hard and smart for it, especially in those early days, then I just don't think you can fail, you know, if you if you really want it. But I think my best advice to anyone who would be considering that is to, to really understand your market and who your product or service is for and focus on those customers. I think that sometimes if you know, you think, oh, there's a uh, regional town is smaller, you may be tempted to try a little bit of everything to get more people. But I think if you know your market and you know what makes you special and your product or service special and focus on that, then you're going to attract the right customers build that brand loyalty and that brand awareness where people actually drive from out of town. Like Warrigal is a relatively small country town, but we get so many customers from who are traveling up to an hour to get to us. It's it's not just our our little area that people are shopping. Some of our customer base is from say Terrelgan, Sale, Bansdale, Berwick, Pakenham, Druin, all over the place. So I think it just because I think it just is something to focus on, especially in those early days of really building that brand identity. If that makes sense. No, that totally makes sense. And yeah, as you were talking, I was thinking, oh yeah, my sister does drive quite a long way for different things that she needs. That's actually a really good point. People in like you were saying that you you used to have to commute. Me too. Like I used to have to drive our bus 
there was a half hour as the crow flies, <laughs> but you know, a bus loop is a lot longer. So I think it was like an hour in and an hour out. So we were used to that. So we were used to driving to work, driving to school, driving to get things you need. So regional people aren't expecting to have to just walk into town. Like they, they're happy to drive and explore and support their local communities, you know? Yeah, I love that and and agree with it. And yeah, and I think that advice that you gave is relevant regardless of what type of business and where you're going to set it up, but especially for for kind of regional and remote businesses. And and another thing that has come up in conversations that I've had with various clients, over, especially over the last few years, I have a few hospitality clients in particular, and three of those are in regional areas and one is in the city. And even the one in the city that's been struggling to find staff, whereas, you know, even one in regional area, I remember she was just like, I have done everything. I have door knocked. I have done letterbox drops. I've done ads. I've gone up to Melbourne and tried to recruit people down and told them what a beautiful coastal life you'll have. And she was just in tears going like, I have the work. I just have no one to do the work. And staffing, it's a huge challenge for all businesses at the moment in Australia. And I think it might be harder in regional and rural areas, depending on what you're doing. I saw something today actually that said, if you go and work in regional areas, your hex bill will be like zeroed from the government. Right. Wow. I thought, wow, for some industries, I can't remember what it, exactly what it was. But can you talk us through your process for finding staff? Because you mentioned a second business. How have you got about finding staff and how do you retain people as well? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a huge challenge for so many industries at the moment and retail certainly one of them. We've sort of created a recruitment process that we've developed and fine-tuned over the years. Our priority when recruiting is always making sure that we hire based on a cultural fit first and making sure that our values align. I'm really protective of our workplace culture, so that's always been my the most important thing for me. But when we're, when we're recruiting, putting things like ads out, it's more so about what we can do for them. I think, you know, you're welcoming people into your team and wanting them to be part of your family. So it's not just this is what we want from you. We want this skill set and this attitude. It's like this is what we are offering you. And, you know, it's about opportunities to grow and, and learn and develop in roles and like I am very big on have, like having fun with my team. So we'll talk about, I take the girls out for things like yoga dates and dinners or, you know, breakies and like we just went and did pottery, like paint your own pottery, type, you know, so just fun wow. stuff. So I think it's important to, yeah, to to show those potential talent members what you can do for them. I think that's important. And in terms of like retaining my team, I am, like I said, my team's my family. So I really focus on their happiness at work and in life and and helping them grow and understanding what their goals are and helping them reach their goals. I have huge appreciation for my team. So always looking for ways to show my gratitude, which is in line with their love language so that I know that they really feel appreciated you know rather than just giving someone shouting them for lunch <laughs> if they yeah. don't if that's not something they necessarily value it might be words of affirmation you know and and so for me I take time to understand that I think that my team feel part of something I think that's important we're all working towards 
the same goal, which is, yeah, gives purpose in a job as well. So I think all of those things definitely help retain team members. Oh, my goodness. I could not agree more. And even the fact that you mentioned love languages with staff, I mean, you just don't yeah. hear that every day. No. <laughs> How has that come out? Like, do you do you ask them that when they when on the onboarding of new staff or how how does how do you even understand what someone's love language is when they're a new staff member yeah well i encourage them to do the five love languages quiz and let me know what it is and then i ask them to tell me 10 things that they love and i think you can really learn a lot about somebody when they list 10 things and I don't put any parameters around, I'm sort of like, what it, it can be whatever. And so I, I find 10 things that really does showcase their love language and really sort of gives you some more to go on. So like one of my team members, she said her, she loves steak. <laughs> and so <laughs> When I when I wanted to, and I'm like me too I love steak and I so when she she was did an amazing job at work I gave her a voucher to my favorite steak restaurant in Melbourne and so and her one of her her love languages so for me knowing that she loved steak and that her love language was gifts that was for me, a, re- a great way that I felt like I could show my appreciation and that I valued her because it spoke directly to her, you know. I love this so much because you think about like, you know, staff gifts at the end of like, you know, Christmas or gifting season. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, everyone so often gets wine or, you know, and it might just be like everyone gets the same bottle of wine, regardless of whether you drink red or white, or if you don't drink, like I don't drink. So it's sort of, yeah, where you can get sort of caught in that, well, we're being a good boss and giving around a wine at Christmas. And it's like, but that might not be at all what that person actually wants. So yeah. I love that you, I mean, that steak voucher sounds right up that person's alley. And yeah, it's just, it's small things like this that mean so much, I think, with, with staff and retention. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, if I had chosen to do something that didn't align with her love language, then she may not have felt, she might've been like, oh, well, that's nice, I guess. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, was, it wouldn't have really impacted her like it could have. Totally, totally. And so speaking of impact and staff challenges and all the things, you are in a retail business. Retail was hit pretty hard throughout the last few years, particularly here in Victoria. And I know regional areas, you know, some of the time you had that ring of steel that you were around. Are you considered a regional area or are you? We um, were just on the other side of that that ring of steel. So we we're on the right side of the river for that. So we were impacted in the sense where people, a lot of our customers were on the other side of the river, if that makes sense. But yes, um, we were fortunate enough where we had some more freedoms than our Melbourne friends. Yes. Okay. Because I wanted to ask that first. I did. I remember I talked to somebody recently and they're like, oh no, we were, we were in the ring of steel with you. And I was like, what? You are very far away from Melbourne. They're like, no, we had to do it all. But you guys still had, you know, a huge amount of lockdowns. And like you said, maybe your customers couldn't come. And so how did COVID or how is COVID continuing to impact your businesses? Oh gosh. Like many other retailers, our sales initially were impacted severely. 
we found that a lot of our competitors started having these big panic store-wide sales, but we chose to not have any sales like that. Our focus was really shifted to nurturing our current customer base and developing and upping our strength, which is customer experience, so that we were better and stronger after the pandemic. My focus too went straight to my team and my own mental health because, you know, that was obviously a huge challenge for so many people and that was something I was very conscious of and very aware of was making sure that we were, even though we weren't allowed to go in store and see each other, that we were having very regular check-ins and we just sort of end up creating like a little FaceTime group. And so we just catch up for a career just to see faces and, you know, talk and stuff like that. So that was the initial part of the issues that we had through COVID. And then once they started letting us out and, you know, the, all the vaccine challenges that came with it and then people, even though we were allowed to open, it was still massively impacted because every man and his dog was getting COVID and staffing at that time was a challenge because people were isolating or they themselves are unwell or caring for loved ones that were unwell. So yeah, it had um, a lot of impacts. But in saying that though, it wasn't all negative. There was definitely some silver linings that came out of it. We managed to achieve some of our 12-month goals in a matter of months because our hand was sort of forced to, (laughs) you know, but so we definitely tried to see some positives and really like seeing the support of our local community and our customer base was amazing. And yeah, so there was definitely some, some great opportunities and experiences to come out of it. But yeah, we're definitely, I'm glad that we chose not to give into those big sales because we sort of thought, well, we're going to come out of it eventually. So really keep our our brand identity strong. And, and I think that really worked in our favor. Oh, I love that answer. I love that you were like, let's go hard on what we want to, you know, be known for long-term, which mm. is sales, you know, customer service. And, and I always think like when people say, oh, should I have a sale or cut my prices? It really depends on the type of business. Sometimes that is, you know, a good strategy. But sometimes I'm like, what other value can you give? that is mm-hmm. is seen as an extra, like great customer service or great, you know, in-store experiences or online or, you know, whatever it is, it's not always about cutting prices quickly. Absolutely. Yeah. And so you mentioned before that you have another store that your mum frequents for all the grandbabies. <laughs> and so you branched out from women's fashion to baby and homeware and lifestyle. And was that a natural evolution or did you kind of do the research or, or start understanding, you know, more of the demographics in, in that area and, and the surrounding areas and figure out this is a great step forward? Was it just you were interested in that and it didn't fit with the current store that you had? Were you worried that either of them would negatively impact the other? I didn't have any concerns that it would negatively impact the other store I, or either of them. I only ever saw it as a asset, but I wish I could say I did the research, but I can't. It was a real natural evolution. Yeah, I, I've always been really invested in the needs of my customers. And a few years into opening Dear Blackbird Boutique, my customers started 
getting married and asking for advice on what to wear and what times I liked. And I remember having a customer say, you're really good at this. You should open up a bridal boutique. And I was like, yeah, I should. And so I did. I ended up opening up a bridal boutique, which I sold middle of this year. But I sort of focused on those two things. And then a few years after that, my customers who got married started having babies and buying homes. And I've always loved homewares. And I think you're crazy if you don't love adorable baby clothing. So I started getting a little bit here and a little bit there to put into Dear Blood and it really took off. And soon I was running out of space and then a store became available a few doors up. So I took it and then opened up the Marigold Merchant, which is, yeah, my homewares and baby lifestyle boutique. And so it's been, yeah, sort of being invested in part of my customer's journeys. I feel like a bit of a stalker saying it like that, (laughs) seeing them open up, have babies and buy homes, and then I'm just right there with them. (laughs) No, I think that's like Beyonce's strategy. Beyonce's like, (laughs) hey, this is happening in my life. And now I'm going to like talk about this or that, you know, that women in their 40s are going through. So no, I think it's a great strategy to grow with your customers. Yeah. And so that that's how it's happened for me. It's been a very natural progression. And and I also I'm very true to what I like. So, and what I'm, yeah, like, like Beyonce, <laughs> what I'm, what's happening in my life at the time. So, you know, all around me, friends were getting married. So I'm like, this is what I love now. So then I would get into that. And then I was loving, I had my own home. So I was loving homewares and babies. And I was having nieces and nephews born. And so it was a very, and I love beautiful things. So I was drawn to these beautiful clothing and homewares and I just wanted to share them with other people and and that's how the businesses have grown and then also grown into larger spaces and online and things like that. Wow. And so all of this, and this came across when we were chatting at Life in Style as well, all of this is huge. Like one store by itself would be enough, but you were like, oh yeah, let's open a bridal shop and let's open (laughs) a homeware store and a baby one. And and I'm imagining that, you know, you need different staff in different shops or or do you have staff that kind of work across all three? Because how do you manage everything? You, you just sound so calm and I'm sure, you know, maybe not all the time. Got me on a good day. <laughs> do you have, you know, from like a systems and processes perspective, like what did you have to learn or invest in or how have you created it to be able to run three at once, I know you've just sold one, so you've got two, but running them as well as, you know, being a sister and a daughter and a friend and all of that, like what have been kind of some of the not so successful ideas or experiences with systems and processes and which ones have really worked well for you? Yeah, well, my team, I have a team in each store, but they are trained to work across each other store, which was a good strategy through COVID too because we needed extra hands. That helps in that area. With the systems and processes, we started many years ago documenting how to do things, screen recording, how adding a product to online or something like that. So all of our systems and processes get anything that needs to get repeated gets recorded and put into get like sort of stored together. So it's a very, you know, it's might be something like how to open the store and it's a step-by-step process. 
so that's that's how we like to operate is having everything a visible reference for somebody when they come on board. Some of the not so successful ideas, this sort of come, this would actually relate back to one of your initial questions of just giving something a go is when I moved one of my stores into a big, I got a lease on the same street and it was twice the size. And so I want, I needed to move one of the stores, but I couldn't get out of my current lease. So I had a number of months left on that. I think it was about nine months and I couldn't get out of it. And so I opened up a pop-up shop for men's clothing. So I ended up having a full. You doing enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I don't love men's clothing. So for me, it was really, it had incredible potential and people were very excited by it, but I just did not enjoy it. And so I sort of thought to myself, well, if I, oh, it's a pop-up shop until my lease is up, but if I enjoy it, I'll keep it but I just didn't enjoy it and so it did take a lot for me to actually say no this doesn't serve me and it's time it's I won't renew the lease so that was one of the things that I mean in terms of success like I think success is being happy and loving what you do and so for me that was unsuccessful it just wasn't wasn't right for me but in terms of what has been successful, it is doing what I love. <laughs> you know, I think that's is successful if you're if you're happy and you love it. So more success than than not so much, but you know, business is like a roller coaster. I feel like success sometimes you can feel hugely successful and then the next day you're like, why the hell am I doing this? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it doesn't last that long, fortunately. No, and that's what I love. Like you're so real and I think part of that realness is what people need to know in business. I think there's a lot of kind of business help out there that is not very practical and also built in this whole like it's sunshine and rainbows every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one of the things that we discussed when we chatted at Life in Style was you wanting to give back and teach other people about business. And I just wanted to ask, like, why why is that important specifically to you? And, you know, obviously there are lots of people that have retail businesses who well and truly think that is enough. And it is. <laughs> it's so much work. <laughs> and so why, what has put, sort of prompted you to consider, you know, doing this into the future? Well, I've always been really passionate about wanting to help people. I haven't always known the best way to do that. During my journey in business, we the retail businesses part of give back initiatives, you know, such as Eagles Change, which is a great online platform which gives customers the power to choose where the donations go, as well as stacks of local charities and initiatives. But I always felt that was, there was a, even though I knew that we were helping, I couldn't see that, you know, I couldn't, I didn't feel that. It felt there was a bit of a disconnect for me. And I would always sort of say to my partner, I just want to help people. (laughs) I just don't know how, like I was always like, you know, I'm not a, a doctor or a nurse. Like, you know, I used to look at it like, how do I help people if I don't have a skill set that can help them? And then my partner 
few years ago, he looked at me and he's like, yes, you can, you dingleberry. You, <laughs> you're so good at business. He's like, what are you talking about? He goes, of course you can help people. You can help people. Like you're good at business. That's your skill. Why don't you help people in business? And we sort of started to think about, you know, a bit of that imposter syndrome starts to creep in where I was like, yeah, but so many other people know so much more than me or, you know, whatever the story you tell yourself might be. But he, him and I were sort of brainstorming and I was like, well, the people that I really, the things that keep me up at night is abuse in any form. And so I was like, how can I, who can I help and how can I help them? And so we, you know, through many discussions, I was like, you know, I, I really want to help other women, help vulnerable women in my area who may have a skill set, but they need help monetizing that. And so we started sort of throwing around some ideas around creating, you know, a bit of a program that helps women start up a business or, you know, and it might be something small. Like, I mean, I've been in business for over 10 years now. And so I I try and cast my mind back. I would have loved to have someone hold my hand. (laughs) Like, oh, God, that would have been an absolute dream. So just being able to give somebody something that I didn't have when I first started, I I would love to be a part of that, especially for women who may not have the resources available to them or maybe not the support network available to be that for them. So that's sort of where I'm on my journey at the moment. I agree so wholeheartedly with that. And I think, you know, when you were talking about your parents and your dad and him sort of say, you know, just go for it. And I feel like I I was very fortunate to have very similar parents in that, you know, do anything you want to and, uh, you know, it's your life and all of that. So I think, but a lot of people don't have that. So I think it's amazing when people like you that have this experience can go out and help people who may not have had that, you know, that experience growing up really, or even as adults to have a partner that's maybe not supportive about them going into business. And so what do you think drives you? Because you seem like a really motivated, switched on person. Where do you think that comes from? If I think back to times when I felt unmotivated, it's generally because I haven't had a clear purpose or a clear goal. So I'd say that like I'm not a motivated person in many areas of my life. (laughs) There are things where I'm like, I just cannot be bothered doing that. But I always think if I have a goal and I'm a clear vision or focus, then I'm very motivated. So I think it just comes down to knowing, you know, knowing and understanding your values and what drives and motivates you and playing to that. And some days are harder than others, especially in business. And so we have a clear vision and purpose. So when I think when I'm having those tough days or unmotivated days, then I think about that vision and purpose. And then that just sort of gives me that boost of of energy where I'm like, yes, back on track, you know? Yeah. Uh, I love also that you just started then by saying, oh, you said, you know, I'm not motivated in every part of my life. I think sometimes people can look at somebody who's doing really well in business and think, yeah, every other part is really amazing yeah. as well. <laughs> and I love that you just put that out there because, yeah, 
people even they say to me, "Oh, you're so motivated. You get a lot done." I was like, "I oh, should talk to my husband sometimes." See, I don't think <laughs>
they either don't want to tell people about it because there's maybe some, I don't know, envy or, or uncomfortable mm-hmm. feelings there. But then it's like, yeah, where do I go with that? That's part of the reason you get in business is to smash some of these goals. And a large part for people in a lot of businesses is the financial gain from being in business. So yeah, it's weird that we kind of talk about it on a surface level on social media, like you go, but yeah. then we don't talk about it. You know, it's like, we don't actually want to know if people are doing really well, which is kind of sad. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I think a lot of people share that same feeling and the more that people yeah. can talk about it, the more other people will feel open to chat about it. And so also with your um three stores and I know you've sold one, but just managing three businesses plus a pop-up. I mean, that's just crazy to me, but yeah. we're not crazy. It's just, it's a huge amount of work. Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> and so did you have apps or you talked about before, which I thought was a really great point of whenever you're doing something twice, you will use a screen recording tutorials for other people in the business. Are there any other apps or tech tools or platforms that have really helped you whether it's with staff stuff or whether it's with inventory or the website or, you know, anything that that you'd suggest to other people? Yeah, we use Asana. So I can't live or function without Asana. I feel like I'm half human, half Asana sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) If it's not in Asana, it's not getting done. So I, I really love it. And it's been great for me and the team. We use it as a space. So I use it as a daily calendar and to-do list as well. But we manage all of our projects and incoming stock and customer orders and things like that. It gives me a really great bird's eye view of how the businesses are going. So that one's huge. And we just use the free version, which I think is incredible that it's free and it's so helpful in so many ways. That would be one of my favorite apps. I don't use a whole lot of other apps, to be honest. Both stores are on... Shopify. So they've got their own websites and we have in-store. Oh, actually a good tip is that we use for inventory management, we use My Bible. It's an inventory management platform where you can enter things like stock budgets, orders, break it down into categories. Like for us, we'd have like women's clothing, baby, homewares and things like that. And it's just great because you can jump on, it lets you upload lookbooks as well as your orders. So you can have, you know, anyone can jump in and look at what's coming in for that month. So that's, yeah, that's a really good one for anyone who's looking to manage product in retail. It's been really helpful for us, definitely. Oh, thank you for sharing those. That Bible one, what was it called? Sorry, something Bible. Yeah, it's called Bible. So it's mybible.com. I don't think it's a .au. Yeah, she started, um, the founder started it a couple of years ago and she was working in wholesale. She's, uh, I don't remember which part of Australia she's in actually, but she was working in wholesale and saw it was a huge challenge for many retailers not being able to manage their stock spend or budgets or incoming orders and so she created bible and yeah it's been great 
Oh no, I think I'm hearing it incorrectly. You're not saying Bible like the religious book or Oh, oh no, sorry, Bible. Bible. So, oh, okay, cuz I was like mybible.com <laughs> is certainly not to do with yes. Bible. <laughs> oh, okay, like B U Y. Sorry. Okay, no, 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 that's me just not <laughs> listening probably. And I was like, wow, and I thought, man, how she got that URL. <laughs> But yeah, we'll definitely link to that because I think that is such a good one. And I think those sorts of platforms or tools that you don't necessarily hear about and maybe don't, people don't even know that they need until somebody says, oh, I use it. It's really helpful. So thank you so much for this. And I guess you've been in business for 10 years, which is huge. Most businesses here in Australia, you know, fold within the first three years. So it's massive to have tripled that. And so what are you most proud of from the journey in business so far? I'm proud of so many things, but I'm extra, extra proud of my team. You know, it's, it's been really rewarding to be a part of their growth, both professionally and personally, and just see confidence levels build or, you know, even just things like being aware of triggers or, you know, their values. That's been really rewarding for me. I've feel like I've built a really incredible team of women who are just super passionate about what they're doing and and always striving to improve. And I'm proud of myself too. Like I was fortunate enough, mentioned to you earlier that I got to spend a month in October traveling America with my partner. And I'm just so grateful that I have a team who allowed me the time and space I needed to really switch off for the month. I think that's very cool. For me, having the confidence to do that and be able to switch off, it's been a really long road for me with being able to switch off from work or business in general. Like I I would just eat it for breakfast, lunch and dinner business. <laughs> I really love it. So I found it hard because it was enjoyable for me. It's like business became a hobby. So I'm proud of myself for having a month off and deleting all my business apps and handing over my emails to my team and being able to be really present with my partner while we were traveling. That was very cool. So yeah, that's they're the things that I, I feel as well as many, many other things. They're they're the things that I'm most proud of. Ah, oh, and and they're the things that are so inspiring for other business owners to hear, I think, as well. Like it's, you know, we all need time off. And a huge part of the reason we go into business is to have some flexibility and freedom. And then we so often don't don't take it. I was literally talking to a client this morning about time blocking. <laughs> and I said, well, what about you know, going out for lunch with your partner or, you know, you're both at home? And she was like, oh, yeah, forget I can do that. I can do that. I, I control my time. It's like, yes, you can. That's that's a part of the business. And I think it's something like I know I can get caught up in it and be like, oh no, I can't take time off or whatever as well. Yeah. Yeah. The guilt sets in sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Or, you, or there's so many things you could be doing. There's always something you could be fixing or changing or adapting or researching. And like you, I always so love it as well. So you've got to really pull the boundaries um, back. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure to chat to you at Life in Style. It's been an absolute pleasure today. If people are listening to this and they're thinking, I really want to get in touch with her or that was really motivating or maybe they want to you know, learn from you next year about business, where is the best place for them to connect with you and where are all your socials and websites? Yeah, well, 
thank you so much for having me. It's been so enjoyable being able to have this conversation with you. So if anyone wants to have a look at my Homewares and Baby Boutique, it's called The Marigold Merchant. So it's themarigoldmerchant.com.au or at The Marigold Merchant. And for my women's clothing boutique, it's dearblackbirdboutique.com.au or at dearblackbirdboutique. And if anyone would like to reach out or have any questions or queries or anything they'd love to chat about, they can reach me at Haley, which is H-A-Y-L-E-Y at thegreenhouseclub.com.au. Amazing. Oh my goodness. Thank you so, so much for coming on. And yeah, we'll definitely stay in touch. And I just know that so many people will be really benefited from this conversation. So thanks so much, Hayley. Thank you, Fiona. I really loved it. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Oh, what a refreshing chat with Hayley Scott, who, as she talked about, owns multiple businesses and has started things, changed things. And I just think is such a breath of fresh air and really ambitious in a very kind of understated way. And not that it needs to be understated. You know, you should shout your ambition from the rooftops, but I just think in a very kind of humble, hardworking way. And I loved chatting to her at Life in Style and loved again chatting to her in today's podcast. So I would love to know what really stood out for you. As always, I'm going to highlight two things that stood out for me, but yeah, don't be a stranger. You can email us hello at mydailybusinesscoach.com or you can find us on Instagram at mydailybusiness. And if you'd like to chat with Hayley and her team, you can find them on Instagram at themarigoldmerchant and online at themarigoldmerchant.com.au. The other business is Dear Blackbird Boutique, which you can find at dearblackbirdboutique.com.au. And over on Instagram, you can find them at Dear Blackbird Boutique. But yeah, I'd love to know what you took away from this. Two things that really stood out for me in today's chat with Haley is number one, I loved when she said, anything that needs to be repeated needs to be recorded. I loved that line. I just think it's so so smart and so switched on. And I loved as well that she talked about in terms of staff training or how to put something live on the website or anything like that, that they often use screen recording. I did a whole episode recently on Loom, which is a screen recording tool for years. I was using QuickTime. That's just a free one that comes on Macs. And I love screen recording because you can actually do the job that you're going to do anyway and record it at the same time. So basically you are creating tutorials whilst also just doing your general work. And I think it is such an important way to teach people. We are so used to consuming video content. And so I feel like if that is something that you have thought about, but not you know necessarily tried, heed those words from Haley today, that if it needs to be repeated, it needs to be recorded so that people are learning all the time. And also that you can start delegating that to other people. Like if they are actually doing that job, get them to record it so that you're not also having to build all of the documentation. Such an important one. The second thing that really stood out to me, one, because I believe it, and two, I've actually experienced this myself. And three, obviously we are in the middle of launching our next round of group coaching. But when Haley talked about how important it has been for her to have a business group that she can vent to and that, you know, it's not always necessarily the right thing to vent to your staff and so, or to vent for your partner or your best friend. And so I love that she talked about 
how she, you know, drew strength from that business group that she's a part of. I have been in my own business groups around the world. I've been in, uh, I used to work with somebody in London and also was in a mastermind in the US. And I found both of them really, really helpful. I've also had another business coach and I found, you know, some really important stuff has come from that. One of the biggest things I think in the mastermind that I was part of in the US was meeting my good friend, Ma, who I've talked about many times. She lives in Amsterdam. We chat every single day, pretty much. And I'm going to meet her later this year, which will be so exciting. But I really have felt that myself, that when you take that pressure off, always needing to not eat always, but, you know, potentially venting to your partner or your kids or your best friend or whatever, and having a an actual space that is not just for venting. It's also for learning and growing together and celebrating wins. That's another thing actually that comes up quite a bit with some of my clients is that potentially they don't always feel like they can celebrate their wins with their nearest and dearest because of all sorts of reasons. But I think it's a great place to have a business group where you can vent, you can celebrate your wins, you can ask for advice, you can say, I don't know, I don't have all the answers, can someone help me? When so often in business, particularly if you're the leader and you've got quite a bit of staff, quite a few staff, people will expect that you have all the answers. And yeah, I just love that she talked about that. That has been such a crucial part of my own business journey and my own growth as a person as well as professionally. So yeah, if you are interested in joining a business group, obviously there's millions of them around. We have a 12-month group coaching program. And like I said, you can find everything at mydailybusinesscoach.com forward slash group coaching. We do close the books to applications at the end of the month. So make sure you get into that. And if you are, if you've got any questions after you check out the group coaching page on mydailybusinesscoach.com website, then just email us. You can email us hello at mydailybusinesscoach.com. You can also send us a DM at mydailybusinesscoach. We've had all sorts of people go through this program from people who've just got a business idea through to people who are decades in. Having seen and having worked with so many people, like literally thousands of small business owners, you see the same common problems come up. And I don't actually think that you need everyone to be earning the exact same amount. I think that a lot of people bring to the table all of their experiences, all of their career history. And so you may have somebody who's just got a business idea, but they have extensive experience in, say, systems and processes or project management or consulting. And then you have somebody else who maybe decades in, but they never actually got a lot of that experience because maybe they started straight after uni or straight after high school in their business. And so they've got a lot of real world experience, but they don't necessarily maybe have the structure or other things that people can bring to the group. So I love that we just have such a mix of people every time and they're all creative. They're all interesting. They're all committed. And yeah, I just love it. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do in my business. So if you're interested in that, please check on out the website. Like I said, mydailybusinesscoach.com forward slash group coaching and get applying if you are interested because we'll start interviews very, very soon. All right. Thank you again, Hayley, for coming on and thank you for listening. If you found this useful, we would love it so much if you could leave a quick review on Apple or Spotify. It just helps us get found by other people out there. And if you're looking for the show notes for this, you can find them over at mydailybusinesscoach.com forward slash podcast forward slash 270. I have mentioned it a couple of times. We will be rebranding very shortly. So definitely look out for a new artwork coming in the next couple of months when you're listening to this podcast and a new name, but more on that later. All right. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the My Daily Business Coach podcast. 
If you want to get in touch, you can do that at mydailybusinesscoach.com or hit me up on Instagram at mydailybusinesscoach.com. 